Let me ask you, have you ever received news? And I know you have because you're humans who have lived past the age of 18 months. Have you ever received news that absolutely threw a wrench into your plans? Can I get a witness today? Right? I mean, just yesterday, we're putting up Christmas lights at our house. And there's this thing that I say that I should learn better than to say it. But I say to my wife, why can't things just work the way they are advertised to work? Why can't my phone just connect right when it's supposed to connect? And as I put up little plastic clips on my gutters that did not want to fit correctly to put Christmas lights in because I want to be a good father and I want my children to enjoy and remember our decorations on our house. And as I'm, legs are shaking because I'm reaching over here trying to get this clip in, I look at Kristen and I say, why can't it just work? And so that's small potatoes, right, compared to a lot of the things that happen in life things that take us by surprise, things that don't work, things that go wrong. Uh, the last two Christmas seasons, I actually was speaking with a, a gentleman in our church. Uh, two years ago, they buried a grandfather uh, right around Christmas, and then last year they buried a father uh, who passed away right around Christmas. And I was talking to him about how the holidays have just been really difficult the last few years because of those things. And even this year, it's difficult because, for one, you reflect, and that brings about a certain amount of pain and lamenting. But then also, and rightfully so, I would argue, you, you almost look ahead with a little bit of anxiety. Lord, please, you know, let this year, can things just go right? Listen, kids get sick. Cars break down. Loved ones sometimes unexpectedly pass away. Hey, sometimes a virus occurs and it shuts down the whole world, right? Life is full of broken plans and unfulfilled expectations. Our years, our days, our seasons, our holidays, our gatherings are filled with, and, and I don't want to start this message off with a little bit of disappointment, but I do want to start it off with a little bit of reality. They are filled with this hope, this hope of this perfect situation, of this perfect family, only for something completely and totally unexpected to go wrong and to throw a wrench into everything that we had hoped for. Come on, if you've, ever, if you've ever been there, can you just raise your hand as, so I know I'm not the only one in the, in the house today? I think this is why the writer of Proverbs tells us in Proverbs 16, he says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And as we are entering this Christmas season, I do want to take a break from James. We've been in a study through the book of James. I want to take a break from the book of James and focus in on his mother, Mary. We don't often think about Mary being the mother of James, but she was also the mother of Jesus. I think that's who we all think about Mary being the mother of. Mary, the mother of Jesus, a young woman engaged to be married, mysteriously gets pregnant and claims that God did it. Come on, that's unexpected, right? How many of you understand this threw a wrench into her plans? It threw a wrench into Joseph's plans, right? 
It, it ruined some family relationships, at least for a time being, I'm willing to bet. I think often we read these stories and we forget that these stories are not made up fairy tales, but rather they are real stories about real people who lived real life, who had real problems, who dealt with real issues, but thankfully are also just as we are loved by a real God who brings beauty from ashes and restoration from brokenness. This is what the word of the Lord says in Luke chapter two. I'm gonna read a lot of scripture. I hope you're okay with that. But it says, at the time the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when, when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, while they were there in Bethlehem for the census, the word tells us the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Would you pray with me? Father, once again, we just come to you in humility and gratitude. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity this season to celebrate the greatest gift any of us have ever known and the gift of Jesus. I pray, Father, that as we prepare our hearts to receive from your word, that you would help us to be tender and attentive to you. God, that we would be sensitive to the moving of your spirit and that we would leave this place transformed by your goodness 
and by your grace. And we pray it in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, can we give the Lord praise one more time? I want to preach a a very simple message, uh, nothing too theologically deep or complex, but I, I promise you this, that if you can take hold of these simple truths and apply them to your life, especially when the proverbial wrench, right? I don't know where this wrench comes from that always gets thrown into our plans, right? I'm always looking for wrenches around my house only to find out that somebody that I love very dearly uh, has misplaced it on top of the air conditioner and it's now rusted. But anyway, I'm not bitter, I'm not bitter, I'm not bitter at all. But when the proverbial wrench right gets thrown into our plans, I'm gonna pay for that later, y'all pray for me. It's coming, it's coming. And, and if, you, if we can take a couple of these truths and apply them to our lives, apply them especially to our lives when uh, things are not going as we had hoped or planned, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, you will set yourself up to face situations that normally would have stolen your peace and joy. And now they will, the situations may still be difficult, but your peace and joy is locked away tight behind the promises of God, right? And, and what's outside of you will stop impacting what's inside of you. And rather, the, as should be the goal of every believer in Jesus, what is in me will begin to influence what's without me, right? Versus the other way around. And so three simple thoughts to reflect on as we enter into what is pretty much the busiest time of year for most of us. Uh, sometimes it's the most frustrating time of year. Sometimes it's, it's, it's honestly, it's a, it's a sad time of year for many people. It's a bittersweet time of year. So right now, look at your neighbor and just say, hey, I'm going to be like Mary. Come on, look at your neighbor right now and tell them, I'm going to be like Mary. And if you're not from the South, I know that was bad grammar, but it's still good preaching, right? I'm going to be like Mary. Uh, so number one, what did Mary do? I'm just going to jump right into this this morning. What did Mary do that we could do as well? Number one, Mary knew how to slow down. Amen. Come on, some of y'all can go home right now and just take the peace of the Lord with you. And that Mary knew how to slow down. Mary did not allow, listen to me here, Mary did not allow the speed and the severity of the situation that she was facing dictate her internal mental, emotional, and spiritual state. Mary, come on, somebody, did not allow the speed and the severity of the situation she was facing dictate her internal mental, emotional, and spiritual states. See, I don't know if there has ever been a person on planet Earth that has been thrown more of a curveball than Mary, the mother of Jesus, right? And if, listen, first of all, if I were in those shoes, I would have a lot of questions. But, uh, you know, anyway, some of y'all getting it, some of y'all, some of y'all still waking up, okay? Uh, but I could just imagine hearing something from the Lord that not only was incredibly unexpected, but if we're going to be very honest, it ruined a lot of her hopes and plans. And, and if there's anything in this world I do not like, I, I, I just cannot stand, 
It is when my plans get changed suddenly without me having an input in the situation. Come on, listen, I'm not alone, sweetie. I told you, there's other people out there. Now, if I'm the one that changes the plans, then hey, that's great. I've been, you know, whatever. But if they get changed for me last minute, and especially if it's something I don't want to do, you know what I'm saying? Uh, If it's something that ruins like this hope that I had for this perfect situation, listen, it is difficult for me to come back from that. But hey, just like you, I'm going to try to be more like Mary and slow down when situations change externally, if I can't slow down what's happening out here, at least I can take the the prerogative and slow down what's happening in here. Amen? And so I want to be like Mary, and I want you to be like Mary when life begins to happen, and it will happen. Come on, it may not be a Christmas thing. Can you give me just a little more monitor, Bobby? It may not be a Christmas thing. It might just be a life thing. It might be a January 28th thing or a February 32nd thing. <laughs> you know what I'm Sometimes that's what it feels like, right? Uh, it, it, could be, it could be an any time of the year thing, any time of the, any situation in life thing. When life begins to happen, it is so easy to allow what is happening around me to begin to dictate what is happening within me. But as we learn from Mary, we do not have to be victims to what we cannot control. We can be men and women of God who are grounded in our faith and grounded in the Lord and grounded in who we know we are and who we know He is. And so when life begins to happen and the unexpected begins to happen, we don't allow what's out here to negatively impact what is in here. Instead, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 16, that you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So what I should in turn do is rather than allowing what's out here impact what's out in here, I say, Lord, help what you've done in me begin to make a difference around me. That as this world sees me walking through the middle of this storm, God, that they see peace that passes understanding, that they see joy unspeakable. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine so that men will see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And so in other words, when people see that peace that you've got, they will say, hey, Chad, what is it? I see all that you're doing. I see all that you're going through. I see all the struggles that you're facing. I see all the things that you're fighting. Yet every time I see you, there's a smile on your face. There's hope in your heart and there's positivity coming out of your mouth. And Chad says, hey, I learned a long time ago. I can't let what's happening around me impact what Jesus has done in me. Come on, that's good preaching right there. Come on, how much joy have we sacrificed in the vain pursuit of perfection? How much joy have we just laid on the altar in this vain pursuit of perfection, trying to to have the perfect family? Let me just just relieve everybody's uh, tension right now. There is no perfect family. And if you think you have one, you better get out of it because you're going to mess it up, right? There's no perfect churches, and if you find one, you better not join because you'll ruin it, right? That's, that's a good preacher joke that's way funnier to me than it is to you. <laughs> Come on, you, we, we try to have the perfect family. We try to prepare the perfect meal. 
Uh, we had the Eubanks family over for Thanksgiving, and, and listen, we smoked a turkey, and my wife will tell you, like, I was having a panic attack because I wanted to have the best smoked turkey this side of the Mississippi, right? And, and, and apparently, it was okay, I guess. It was all right, yeah. Chad, Chad said it was good. I don't know if he's just being nice or whatever, but listen, how much have joy, how much peace have we sacrificed trying to have the perfect family, trying to prepare the perfect meal, trying to buy or, or create the perfect gift for that special someone to create the perfect moment? Hey, moms and dads of toddlers or young children for that matter, how much joy have we sacrificed trying to take the perfect picture? right? Right here. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I mean, good gracious, right? How much joy. I was looking through some of my old photos that I have. Show that picture, if you would, for me, Shane. Uh, yeah. That's, that's me and my dad 33, 34 years ago uh, in Sebastopol, Mississippi. Now, as you can see, he's obviously a little, a little tired, um, this is Christmas morning, by the way, in case the photo didn't give enough evidence of that. He's obviously a little tired. He's, he's quite possibly a little cranky. Uh, I'm not sure by judging by his facial expressions. I'm having a great time, on the other hand. Um, and, and I look at this picture, and I see, you know, I see a messy house. I see two people not even looking at the camera, not even knowing that their picture's being taken. But can I tell you that 33 years later, 34 years later, I look at this picture and it's a treasure to me because of the moment that it captured. And even though in that moment, it didn't feel like a perfect moment, I'm sure, right? Even in that moment, uh, I, I can just imagine the different stresses that my mom and dad were both feeling trying to raise a young boy and, and, and have a good Christmas and to make good memories and all the things that go into all the things that we all feel. But here I am later, and I can tell you, I don't care about any of those things. I'm just thankful to have it. I'm just thankful to be able to remember it and to look back on it. I think we would do really well if we would pursue progress instead of pursuing perfection. You see, perfection is a constantly moving target based on the last person's Facebook post that we saw who we want to be like, right? We see what they did. We see what they fixed. We see their pictures of their kids or their family or, or the trips that they went on and the places that they've traveled to. And all of a sudden, our lives and the lives that we've got, they're not good enough because we want what they've got. And, and, and that's just, a, I understand it. I've been guilty of it myself. But can I just tell you, that is not the will of the Lord for your life. It will rob you of peace and joy, and it will rob you of the blessings, or at least being able to enjoy the blessings that you do have in this moment. You may be walking into Christmas, looking ahead to the next year, filled with stress, filled with anxiety, maybe even feel, feeling a little bit of fear over what might be, over what could be, over what isn't or who isn't there. Can I just tell you, as somebody who loves you, as somebody who is learning this themselves, that you were not created to carry that kind of weight. It's not who you were made to be. Jesus says this in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary 
and carry heavy burdens. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. Now, I don't know about you, but it wasn't that long ago until I realized Jesus was talking about a farming implement and not an egg yolk, just for the record. They're spelled differently. They sound the same. But what Jesus is making reference to is something that every person that he's talking to in this moment would understand. Now, many of us aren't farmers. Many of us didn't grow up on farms. We don't understand this. So Give me just a moment to elaborate for you for a moment. Jesus is saying, come to me, take upon you, take upon yourself my yoke, because my burden is easy, my yoke is light. And what he is essentially saying is he's saying, hey, listen, uh, if you've got a farm and you've got some oxen, what you would do is that you would take your older, stronger, better trained, more mature ox, and you would put him on this side of the yoke. And on the other side of the yoke, you would attach... Uh, to the older, wiser, stronger, you would attach a younger, not quite as strong, uh, far less experienced ox, and that you would have them walk together as they plowed a field. And as they would do that, the younger, weaker ox's responsibility was not to pull the weight or to carry the load. Its primary responsibility was to walk closely with the one who was. And see, over the course of time, the younger, weaker one, the the more inexperienced one, would begin to learn the ways of the field. Not because they watched, but because they walked alongside the one who knew where they were going. And so the only time the load gets heavy for that younger ox, for that, and, and you know, we would use a mule or a donkey or a horse today a lot of time. I don't see a lot of oxen farms around uh, Oak Ridge, Tennessee. But, you know, the only time that load begins to feel heavy is when we try to go on past the one who's carrying it for us. Or maybe sometimes we even try to go our own way and say, you know what, I want to go over to this side of the field. I want to do things my own way. And it's in those moments, not only are we pulling against the weight of this world that, that Jesus is carrying for us, but we are actually also pulling against the one who says, no, 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 this way. This is the way to go, not that way. So let me tell you something, friend. If the load feels heavy today, it would do you well to take a long, hard look in the mirror and ask yourself, am I walking closely to the one who said he would carry it for me? Because that's when it starts to feel heavy. You see, our responsibility is not to carry the weight of our world. As I was initially writing this, I wrote down, our responsibility isn't to carry the weight of the world, but none of us carry the weight of the world. However, we do often carry the weight of our world. So our responsibility is not to carry the weight of our world. Rather, our responsibility is to walk closely to the one who is. And in order to do that, we have to slow down. We have to allow our roots to grow down deep in the Lord. And we have to make up our mind that what is happening around me will not dictate what is happening within me. 
And when things start feeling heavy and when the load starts pulling back on me, my first response is not to blame, it's not to criticize, it's to make sure I haven't walked far away from the one who said he would carry it for me. You guys good? So number one, slow down. Number two, soak it in. Come on, Mary knew how to soak in the moment. She did not lose sight of the moment. It's so funny to me. Everyone, uh, in, we just, as we were reading, the shepherds, the angels, uh, these strangers that keep showing up, uh, they are living in amazement. They are living in astonishment at this moment as the Messiah is born. And this is what Luke says about Mary in verse 19. It says, she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. One thing that I have noticed about me, and maybe it's true for you as well, is that I tend to live either in the past or the future often neglecting the moment. I'm going to say that one one more time for you. Maybe this isn't applicable to you, but for me it's very applicable. It's something that I'm working on, something the Lord's dealing with me about. I often tend to either live in yesterday or tomorrow, often neglecting the moment that I've been given today. You see, I'll look ahead, or you may look ahead to that one day when, you know, one day when you find that perfect someone, or one day when you get out of debt, or one day when you get this thing paid off, or one day when you finally stop doing this thing that you've been trying to stop doing, or you start doing this thing that you want to start doing. That one day when, when you finally lose that weight, right? And, and then everything feels better. Or, or, you know, one day when to when we have accomplished this thing or when we've uh, gotten past this season. Or the other thing is we, we look back to, to you know, I, I find myself do, doing this a lot, wishing my kids were younger, right? And they're not even that old. But I still, even now, I look back and I, man, oh, I miss them when they were four. I miss them when they were doing this. I, miss, I really miss it when they couldn't talk. That was great. <laughs> They didn't have all these opinions and preferences. They just thought we were cool. Y'all didn't warn me that it starts that young, right? We look back wishing our kids were younger, wishing we had that figure that we used to have, right? You know, that body. You know, when we used to could just eat all that stuff and it didn't matter. And we weren't in a coma for three days like we are now. We might look back even wishing that that special person that we love that has now passed away, was back with us. And those are all normal emotions. They certainly aren't wrong to feel. But I would say to you from a place of love that it's not a healthy place to stay. Come on, that we would not be so focused on what's to come or so preoccupied with what has been that we don't live in this moment. And so instead of looking back or looking ahead, we should just look around, right? Look around. Treasure, treasure the moments and the memories that are given to us today. Now, I know we're not preaching from James today, but hey, James says this in chapter 4. He says, what is your life? You are a mist. You're like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Can I just tell you that life is too short and the time that we have been given is too precious to be so preoccupied with what isn't yet or what was instead of living in the right now. Jesus says it this way, and I, I quoted it earlier as we were getting ready for this part. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. 
For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. In other words, what Jesus is saying, he's saying stop living for what you don't have yet. Instead, live for this moment. Live right now in the moment. Let let me just tell you how Christmas always looks at my house. And in Jesus' name, my wife's here to witness it. It will be different this year. Is that our kids will open up presents that morning. And within 32 seconds, I'm going to be there with a trash bag trying to throw stuff away because the mess in the house is driving me nuts and I cannot stand it. And the disorganization and the chaos and the clutter is going to sit me into a fit. And Kristen's all the time going over there saying, can't you just relax for just a moment? She doesn't do this though. I, just, this, I added this part. So this year, I'm going to live in the moment. Hey, I'm going to need you to start speaking faith here. This is a faith church, right? We don't call it like it is. We call it like God's making it to be. Come on, somebody. Mary knew how to slow down. And she knew how to not allow what's happening around her to negatively impact what's happening in her. Mary knew how, despite having every logical reason forgive me for my language here, to freak out, right, at all that's going on around her. She had every logical, rational reason to to, to be like the shepherds, to even be like the angels, to be astonished and amazed, yet she, she chose to slow down and to soak in the moment. I love how Luke says she pondered or she treasured these things in her heart. Listen, The day that you have, you will never get again. And if we spend it looking back, wishing it was that way, or looking ahead, waiting for the perfect day to come, we will miss out on the present of this moment. So slow down, soak it in. And number three, stay thankful. Stay thankful. Mary knew how to stay thankful despite being caught up in one of the craziest situations imaginable. She, she, she responds like this. This is, this, is, this is what Mary says in Luke chapter 1. It says, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And I just want you to follow me here. We're talking unexpected, also pretty unexplainable pregnancy. We're talking an unplanned road trip to Bethlehem for a census, right? We're talking about King Herod wanting to kill the baby. Go read Luke chapters 1 and 2. Go read the beginning of Matthew. We're talking about Joseph having a dream and saying, hey, I just heard from God. We're going to move to Egypt for a few years. How about that? You know, right? And, and we're talking about these strange men keep showing up with all these unpractical gifts. of, of Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Frankincense? Okay. You got any diapers, wise guy? Right, you know? And Mary's over there like, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. Can I just just be real with you for a moment? I cannot count 
how often in my life I have allowed a minor situation, minor, not this is major, but I'm talking about in my life, life, a minor situation ruin an entire day, right? Man, if I'm being honest with you, I've let it ruin an entire week sometimes. A minor inconvenience that just ticks me off, right? And, and then before you know it, I've, I've hurt people's feelings. I've said things I can't take back. I, I've ruined a vacation or I've ruined a weekend all because I didn't get my way in some situation. And Mary says, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. <laughs> you know why, though? You know, it, it almost seems silly But it tells you why the Lord chose her to bear Jesus. And she was a young woman. She was was not a senior saint. She was more than likely a, a younger teenager. But she possessed a maturity and spirituality about her that caused the Lord to look on her with favor. And he knew, hey, there's somebody... There's somebody who, when life starts going crazy, she won't allow the crazy to get in here. There, there's somebody that, that when, when, when things are running amok around her and when, when she might have every excuse to say, man, I, just, I wish I could have the days back when, when I was engaged to Joseph and, and, I, and I didn't have this unexplainable baby bump, right? Come on, somebody. Or, or and she didn't look ahead to that one day thinking, okay, you know, eventually my life will be normal again. Eventually things will calm down. Eventually we won't always be moving. Eventually we won't always be running from somebody or running to somebody. And then with every reason, every human reason imaginable to gripe and to be bitter and to complain, instead of doing those things, she says, how my soul praises the Lord. That's why God chose her. That's why God said, there's somebody. There's somebody I can trust with the most precious thing on the planet. Hey, can I just tell you something? Your name may not be Mary. And you may not unexpectedly or unexplainedly get pregnant, right? I hope not. That ship has sailed. We can't use that one anymore, you know? It's not a viable excuse these days. But listen to me, friend. You, too, have been chosen by your heavenly Father to carry the most precious gift this world has. And that gift is the gospel of Jesus. That gift is the gospel. That gift is the good news that Jesus came to this earth. He lived a sinless and perfect life and he gave himself up in our place so that through his sacrifice, we could have everlasting life and fellowship with our heavenly father. So you may not be Mary, right? But you too have been given the task of carrying the most precious thing this world has ever known. And that is the gospel of Jesus. And so just like Mary, we have to choose. And don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying it's easy, but I will die on this hill. It is still a choice. Listen, if you are in a bad mood, if you're bitter, 
Listen, you're making that choice. Now, I'm not saying that you do not have legitimate reasons, but let me just be really clear with you right now. I would imagine 98% of us in this room have legitimate reasons. We all think that our problems are worse than everybody else's, right? Come on, we do. You know, we start sharing stories about how this thing happened, and before you know it, you're like, well, hey, let me tell you what happened to me, right? You know, and we start trying to one-up each other with our sad stories and our, our, the times that we've been hurt or the times that we've been done wrong. How about we just drop that all and we just say, listen, we all have every right. If we were to use human standards as our measuring board, we have every right to choose bitterness, to choose anger, to choose resentment, to choose, to choose being rushed, to choose frustration, to choose impatience. But hey, because of the blood of Jesus and because of the love of our Father, we also have every right in Christ Jesus to choose, to choose to slow down, not allowing what's out here to impact what's in here. We have the right to choose to live in this moment, making the most of, of the moment that's been given to us. And we have the right to choose because it is a choice and you have to choose it. We have the right to choose to stay thankful regardless of the situations or reasons that would try to convince us otherwise. I mean, that is what it, yeah, come on, give the Lord praise. Mary was a young woman, but the reason why the Lord chose her is because she was mature. And you know what mature people do? They make choices that they don't like in the moment because they know they're going to like where it takes them. If you want to find a person who is actively ruining their life, Find a person that always does what they want to do. Find a Christian who always expresses how they feel in the moment, and I will show you a Christian who has no witness to this world. Find me a so-called man or woman of God who just tells it like it is, right? And I will show you a so-called man or woman of God who will never make a kingdom impact. Because that's not what we've been called to do. That's not, what, that's not what it looks like to carry Jesus. And that's what we've been called to do. To carry Jesus. Not to carry our frustrations. Not to, not to carry our bitterness or our resentment. However legitimate we may feel the reasons and excuses are, they are not more legitimate than the reason that we have to carry Jesus to this world. She said, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. It's a beautiful prayer. Go read it in Luke chapter 1. I didn't read all of the verses, but it starts in verse 46 of Luke 1. Real quick, and I'll wrap this thing up and put a Christmas bow on it for you. Life will give you every reason imaginable to trade your joy for bitterness, to trade your smile for a frown, your gripe. For some, or gratitude for gripe, right? So I want to encourage you, as you slow down, as you soak it in, and as you stay thankful, pre-decide that no matter what, Thanksgiving will not be the last Thursday in November, but Thanksgiving will be a way of life, Amen. right? 
Paul tells us like this in 1 Thessalonians. He says, always be joyful. Always be joyful. And there's no, in my Bible anyway, there's no parentheses after that that says, except when. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's, no, there's no asterisk with a footnote down there. Come on. You, you, you read your Bible lately, you got, you got asterisks, you got footnotes, you got, you got little headings. And, and if, if I were writing that, you know, under my own influence, not under the influence of the Holy Spirit like Paul wrote it, and I wrote, always be joyful, I would do an asterisk and it, it would say, except, if you were here last week, you'll get this, except when someone drives below the speed limit in the left lane. <laughs> right? You know, it, it, always be joyful. But Paul doesn't do that. He, there are no exceptions to this rule for Paul. Always be joyful. And then verse 17, he says, never stop praying. Uh, Paul is, is not pulling any punches here. He's going right to the point. And he says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. In other words, let me just tell you what he's actually doing here. You can't tell me the New Testament doesn't have commands because it does. And here are a couple of them right here. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Uh, Some of you have memorized this in King James or another translation. And it would say, pray without ceasing. And then in verse 18, he probably gives the most difficult of these three commands. He says, be thankful. In most circumstances. You paying attention? He says, be thankful in all circumstances. Hey, let me give you a little good news there. He didn't say be thankful for all circumstances, right? But he did say be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. It is God's will for you to always be joyful, to never stop praying, and to be thankful in all circumstances. Now, a lot of times when we think about God's will, we think that God wants us to live up to certain rules or certain standards because he is expecting us to pass or fail a test. But that is not what God's will looks like. God's will looks like God's love. And anytime God says, hey, you do this, what he is in essence saying is, hey, I love you so much. And if you will do these things that I'm telling you, even if they're not the easiest things, even if sometimes this world will give you every reason to not do these things, but if you will do them anyway, if you will make the choice anyway to, to, to slow down, to soak it in, to, to stay thankful, to, to always be joyful, right? To give thanks in all circumstances, to, to pray without ceasing. If you will do those things even when it's not easy I promise I promise I promise I promise it will take you someplace that you want to be and if you don't if you do what you want to do that's what babies do right that's what children do if you do what you want to do then even though you can't see it because I'm your father and I know more than you and I see more than you, and I understand more than you, and I know how point A is going to lead to point B, and eventually that's going to take you someplace you don't want to be. 
hey, yeah, you can gripe, you can complain, you can be negative, you can be hateful, you can be mean, you can reminisce to a fault over the past, you can look ahead to the future, you can, you can be a complainer, you can call it like it is, you can say what you think, you can just be yourself. Come on, that's bad theology right there. Listen, we ain't called to be ourselves because... 2 Corinthians 5.17 says we've been made new in Christ, right? We're a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have been made new. I don't want to be me. I want to be him. I don't want to look like me. I want to look like him. Anyway, our father says, yeah, you can do those things. But hey, I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. And if you do that, you're not going to like what you get. Kristen got on to me yesterday. We've had pecan pie in our house for four days straight now. <laughs> I went the whole month of November and didn't eat any sweets until this last week. And I made up for lost time, y'all. <laughs> I mean, I made up for lost time. And we go to bed a couple nights ago and I said, don't let me eat any more pie. But I got up before she did. I know it's silly, but I, regret, I regretted it later that day. It just, you know, it didn't agree with me. It was too much sugar, too fast, too much, too soon. And she says, I told you not to do it. And I said, I know, but it was so good in the moment. It, it sucks now, but it was good then. Listen, that's what your father is telling you. Listen, it may be hard right now. It may be hard to, to slow the pace of life. Now. It may be hard to stop looking back and to stop dreaming ahead. It may be hard to stay thankful in all circumstances. But if you will just make that decision to do those things, no matter what, no matter what excuse the world gives you to not do it, your father is saying, you'll like what you get. You'll like where that takes you. You'll like what that does in you. Hey, and you, you know what you'll like even more than that? You'll like what you see it do in others through you because you're carrying something special today. Just like Mary, you're carrying something of infinite worth and value. And that is the gospel. You're not carrying physical baby Jesus, right? But you are carrying Jesus with you. Slow down. Soak it in. Stay thankful. Would you stand? Slow down. Soak it in. And stay thankful. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes all across the auditorium this morning and if you do not have a relationship with Jesus or maybe you do not have a healthy and active relationship with Jesus, before we can talk about being thankful, before we can talk about not allowing what's around me to impact what's in me, before we can talk about anything else, the number one priority of your life should be to enter in to a healthy and vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. 
He is not mad at you. He is mad for you. He gave himself for you. He loves you. And he just wants to know you and to be known by you. So today, before we go any further, if your prayer, if your heart would say, Pastor Drew, I want to know Jesus and I want to be known by him. Would you lift your hand high in the air so I can pray with you right where you are? I see you, sweetie. Is there anybody else? I see you, buddy. Anybody else? Two people so far. Is there anybody else at all? I don't want to move forward without praying for I see you. I see you, buddy. Four people. Let's pray this together as Lifehouse Church. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin and change my life. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we celebrate those? Can I just tell you that if you prayed that, there's, there's no power in the words themselves. The power of that prayer comes from the heart behind it. And so if you prayed that and you meant that, Listen, in this moment right now, today is a new day. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. Now, for everyone else in the room, I want to give you a moment in our united single service, not even 12 o'clock yet, time together. Maybe you've been living in a rush. Maybe you've been living in this frantic mode of trying to create the perfect situations for people that you don't even like. Can I get a witness in the house, right? Maybe you've been struggling with a heart that chooses complaining over gratitude. And today you would say, you know what? It's time to make a change. It's time, it's time to stop allowing the things I can't control to control the thing that I can't control. It's time, it's time to stop wishing and, and looking. And it's time to start living. And it's time that what's going to come out of my mouth and what's going to stay in my mind is a heart of gratitude. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. Yeah, I know this isn't perfect. Yeah, this isn't easy. But hey, what? He's been better to me than I deserve anyway. So instead of griping, instead of complaining, instead of belly aching, I'm going to praise so if that's you today, if that's your heart, if that's your prayer, I want to invite you, as our team takes a few moments to lead us, would you come to these altars as we just gather as a united church body and let us pray together. Pray that God would give us a fresh heart, a new heart, that he would give us fresh vision for what he has for us, that he would help us to move past and to, and to make the choice that says, you know what, I'm going to stay thankful. To make the choice that says, you know what, I'm going to live in this moment. To make the choice that says, I'm going to slow down and I'm going to stop allowing what I can't control to control what I can control. And as our team leads us, I want to encourage, I want to ask you, come to this altar. Let's pray together. Let's go to God together and say, Lord, this year, as we end this year and as we look forward to next year, hey, it's a new season. It's a new season. It ain't the same old me anymore. It's not the same old griping, bellyache, and complaining me. Hey, I'm a new person. 
I've been made new in Jesus Christ, and I have the most precious gift that I'm carrying right now, and that is the gospel of Jesus. Come on, let's do this now.